Hello, and welcome back to the Electric Punch Podcast. As always, I am your host, Logan Grigsby, and we're going to have an absolutely electrifying show for you tonight. For the unusual announcements, the Electric Punch Podcast stands with people of all cultural, ethnic, religious, racial, and sexual backgrounds. We believe in creating a safe and positive environment for anyone and everyone who wants to participate in our festivities. So remember, look out for each other. If you see something, say something. Drink more water, be kind, and love each other. Wear a coat. It gets cold. Uh, with that, I have the absolute pleasure tonight. Welcome on tonight's guest, Nathan da- Davis, or hi, I'm Ghost. Hi, how are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, so yeah, first off, I'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on tonight. I know you have a lot going on. You're on tour. I'm sure yeah, of course, of fitting course. in something like this isn't the easiest thing to do. So from banshees to poltergeists to shades, uh-huh. revenants, race, spirits, and of course, ghosts what spectral boogeyman would you want on your side and which one do you fear the most i would say wraith i'd want to be on my side and then ghost is probably what i fear the most (laughs) absolutely okay so let me start with a little bit of background where were you kind of born and raised and where do you lay your head at night when you're not on tour i was born and raised i was born in laguna hills california Mm -hmm. and then whole childhood moved around a lot i think i lived in something like 38 houses oh, during man. my teenage years and then just the teenage just years. the teenage oh, years yeah me and my mom we moved around a ton and then uh, as an adult i live in bakersfield california which is about an hour and a half away from la a little oil refinery town yeah, yeah. i bet it gives you a nice place to when you're not on tour go back chill yeah i love it because my life um is so busy on the road absolutely and so party 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 chaotic and then there it's just nothing yeah, which so i love it gives you that time to unwind i definitely i love going to shows i love being in all this but i definitely get sensory overload so being able to go back to the sanctuary and recharge the batteries very important definitely okay so what was kind of the role of music growing up in your life and what mu- kind of music did you grow up listening to i grew up listening to a lot of um depeche mode duran duran the cure um a few years later she runs revenge oh, yeah. um, a lot of stuff like that and then uh, music's a big part of my family uh music and theater oh yeah oh, yeah. yeah so what were some of the first instruments you picked up and when and what kind of got you to EDM in the first place? Piano. Uh, it was the first instrument I started playing. Oh, yeah. I started playing piano, I believe, when I was three. Mm-hmm. Um, drums a little bit. Never really got far with it at all, but mainly just piano and, and bass. Angsty teenager. I want to beat on things. Yeah. Some people can beat <laughs> on things better than other people. Yeah, but. so piano and bass. And then electronic music got kind of introduced. Um well, I started making music electronically probably when I was around nine mm-hmm. in GarageBand. Oh, uh, but I was, yeah. just, I was just doing a lot of um, like classical type mm-hmm. things, piano, strings. And then from there, I think I was around 13, 14 when it was more actual electronic music production. Yeah. So do you have any concerts that kind of stand out in your mind that made you say like, wow, I want to be a part of this? Um, no, no, actually the first show that I ever played as Home Ghost was the first electronic concert I ever went to. Really? Yeah. So how did you kind of prepare for that? I didn't, I showed up and uh, <laughs> I was terrified and what I never was, saw... I guess, what was the crowd like? Was decent it, size? It or? was a sold out crowd at Space Shot in LA for my first show oh, ever. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Then, so start, start out the gate, sold out show LA. Yeah. Um, and then a week after that was another sold out show with uh, Downlink and Prototypes in 
Denver at a really famous club that's not there anymore called Beta. So I was really just thrown into it. Okay. So what does your family think about your career aspirations and are they pretty supportive? Yeah. So my, um, my father's side, pretty much everyone has made their living through music. Mm -hmm. Um, on my dad's side, um, people have played drums for Ike and Tina Turner, keyboard for Buck Owens. And then my dad has his, his, his band. And then, um, on my mom's side, they were all theater Mm -hmm. kids growing up. So my family's very artsy and it was, I never, thankfully I never had, I have a lot of friends who, you know, tried to get into it or are into it and their parents still aren't completely supportive. Absolutely. So I, I never had to have those I, I've struggles. I've interviewed so many people whose parents don't get it. They're army, mm-hmm. army men, parents or stuff like that. Yeah. So very, very pushback to want to do anything artistic that isn't an easy thing to get into. Yeah. So coming from a artistic family, have you, did you ever like want to be a doctor or a lawyer at some point? And your, your parents were like, eh, that's kind of lame, man. It, you need to was, be a rock star or something. It was funny because I never actually wanted to... I mean, I wanted to do what I do now, but mm-hmm. it, it was never like I was trying to do that it. That was never what you never like were in kindergarten saying, I want to be a rock no. star. I want to be. No, I wanted to be a kindergarten. I wanted to be like an archaeologist. Then I found out it wasn't quite like Indiana Jones. Parents and I was kind of bullied you for that. It's not going to be like yeah. Indiana Jones. And then, and stuck you know, in a museum. Um, middle school, high school, I really wanted to either go into computer science or. Oh, yeah. I'm um, a big computer science guy myself. Even hit, like history, some, somewhere in that field. And it all just kind of happened. Okay, so what do you think is the best piece of advice that you have been ever been given related to your music career? That I've been given. Oh, God. I've gotten a lot of bad advice. No, oh, let's hear that. I actually ask this all the time. I never ask what's the worst advice you've yeah, been given. Yeah, I so. mean, most of the bad advice was actually from my family because they're all people who have done their whole lives through music. Mm-hmm. I just don't do it. Keep keep it as a hobby and as something that you love. Absolutely. I, I have a few friends who like to work on cars and like to do hair and like to do stuff for that for a living. And I'm always like, well, why don't you make it into a career? And I have heard so much. Once you start doing it for money and once you start doing it for a living, the passion kind of yeah. doesn't. And that's not always the case, but the passion does kind of drain out. No, definitely. Um, best advice? I can't really think of much besides um, the opposite, which is go for it. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you are part of a, du- a duo. Yes. What are some of the pros and cons of working in a duo? Um, it, it's different over time because when we first started, we lived together. Mm-hmm. And now Tiago lives in Hawaii. Oh, I'm in Bakersfield. And um, I can't think of many cons um, besides creative differences, but that doesn't really happen between us. Um, I, I do have friends with other duos, and we've been very fortunate that we don't have a lot of those issues with uh egos or you know creative differences or financial things um so for us it's it's worked out very well very uh yin and yang everything i'm good at he doesn't have a clue everything that he's great at i don't have a clue so if you were to choose a tattoo for him right now what do you think it would be and why oh it would be it'd be feet be feet yeah yeah, yeah. Does, does he hate him he love hates him? him he hates him <laughs> where mind. are you putting his foot tattoo are you putting his foot tattoo on his foot two feet no i'm putting it huge right in the middle of his, <laughs> right right in the middle his, chest. Of his chest oh man that's gonna be a rough one okay so have you ever been at a point in your life playing a show or festival 
something in particular you thought, wow, this is it. I've made it. Like I'm successful. This is my career now. Um, yeah. So there was a few moments. I wouldn't say that I thought I made it. It was more just like taking a step back yeah. and, and, and realizing where I am. Um, the first one was when I was on the excision tour last year. Mm-hmm. We were in Phoenix at uh, Rawhide, which is this huge venue. I think it's like eight or ten thousand people. And I played my set. It was cool. I had a great time. I was like, wow. But then I st- I stayed. Watched Excision play, and I was like, 15-year-old Nathan would be absolutely (laughs) shitting himself right now. Um, And then the other time was actually here last March when I played here with Virtual Riot on his tour, and we back-to-backed at the end, which I've I've, I've known Val for years now, and we played a bajillion shows together, but it was a moment where we were back-to-back, and same thing. I was like, wow. You know, I know him now. He's a friend, Mm -hmm. but... Mm -hmm. um, 15-year-old Nathan would be like, what's going on? Flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so when you go and you're making music, do you make it for yourself, or are you making it kind of with the audience in mind? Um, it really depends. So for a lot of the High Go stuff, mm-hmm. it's more for the audience in mind. Mm-hmm. And then me and Tiago both have passion projects, passion projects. Where, where we write. Um, most of that's not dubstep. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, Death Rail... Death Rail was one that was very written for the audience. Mm-hmm. That we had a very specific idea in mind. We want a song that uh, translates to the live experience. Um, but there has been High and Ghost songs like Lies and Egos where we wrote for ourselves. And most of our Misfits EP from 2017 was for ourselves. Um, so I would say it's a pretty healthy balance. But we do make sure that we have like passion projects on the side. Absolutely. I got to imagine that's really what keeps you going. Yeah. Obviously, you get, I'm sure you get a lot of good energy from dropping a song, but I'm sure passion projects are very important too. Yeah. So, how do you know when a track is finished? And do you go to anybody and get kind of constructive criticism before kind of taking it up to the next step? Um, well, that's usually my job. So Tiago does the, the mix and master at the end, and he likes to tinker and tinker mm-hmm. and tinker. And then I just say, no, it's done. Yeah, um, I, I understand that. Because we, we've had times where um, there was one in particular where um, when we were doing the Oxygen remix for Excision, Wooly, uh, Trivecta, um, he was finishing it up, and it was like three days. Mm-hmm. He sent me a new version. It sounded, nothing sounded different. I was like, buddy, it's done. It's time. It's done. Yeah. Absolutely. And it really is good to have that person there to say, listen, like you can tweak it. You can sit here and try to mess with the details, but at some point you do got to, it's done. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you think you could describe your sound to me as if I was a 75-year-old boomer with back problems named Bob? Robert? Um, Yes. Bobbert? Yes. Um, Haunted Mansion meets okay so you're 75 spooky Ma- yes spooky spooky spooky, mansion. spooky haunted mansion meets i have dial up uh, so yeah there, meets dial up transformers is a little late so it meets gundam <laughs> <laughs> okay awesome so how do you deal with song requests never really got them actually there's been a few times and mm-hmm. I didn't deal with them. Usually those people got yeah. kicked off the stage by security. <laughs> it's usually very drunk people. Um, but yeah, I, I got to skip that part. Of- Lucky. Good. Yeah. Good. So have you ever had any crazy, wacky experiences when dealing with fans? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Any that uh, stick out that can't make, got any good stories? or? 
Um, one-on-one interactions, not too much crazy stuff, but I tried stage diving a few times. Uh, first time I did it, just touched way too many places and came, yeah. out, came out of it with a shoe missing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I also, I jumped in one of the mosh pits at our own show, mm-hmm. got punched in the face about six times oof, oof. by my own fans. And uh, yeah, I haven't done that since. Hey man, I love you. Wham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got punched in the face last year at a... At a show, and after that, I've kind of stopped going yeah. into things. So six times in one in one night, I I think I'm gonna pa- slow down on that. Yeah. So how do you go about designing your merchandise, and who kind of sketched out the original logo? Oh God, the original logo we made. Okay. The the original original one, and then the most recent one. Um, two different designers worked on it, but it, it was very similar to our our original one. Uh, the letters were just a little bit more rounded and more bubbly looking and more Absolutely. cutesy. And then Ghost was remade to look a little less derpy. Um, and then for merch designs, we work with, uh, it really depends on the project. Like recently we did a collection with Scummy Bears, mm-hmm. um, which they're amazing to work with. They're great. And th- they did all the stuff. designs Love for that. Stuff. And we just gave them the thumbs up and then it was out the door. And then for other merch designs, we've had lines that we've designed ourselves. We've had lines that um, we've hired people. Um, it's really collaborative. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you consider yourself kind of a creative person when it comes to stuff like that? Or are you more musically inclined? More musically. And then I think with um, that side of mm-hmm. the, the business, if you will, I think one of the things that we've done that I like, at least with all the people we work with, like all uh, our visual guy, his name is uh, Milgram, Gabe, and all the various art people that uh, we work with is we give them a lot of creative, like we have a very, very basic prompt. So like for our visuals, we're like, this needs to have ghost. You know what we sound like. See, I'm I'm very about that with my tattoos. I terrible at art. I can barely draw a circle, but so usually I'm just pitching them general vague ideas and you do, do what you do best. I love art. I appreciate it. I I can't do it. I can't do it. So you just started a new tour here in the last few weeks. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. So we're going on a 32-date tour with Barely Alive um, all across the U.S. and a few Canada dates. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a, that's another childhood dream come true. Absolutely. Um, he was probably my biggest influence growing up. I haven't told him that yet. Um, <laughs> Got to wait for the last tour date. Yeah. Um, especially... I mean, way back with Rifle, Blow, Kiss, and um, I mean, this is farther, but Cash and the, the mm-hmm. whole Alzla EP, um, their branding, the fact that they were a duo, um, just huge Absolutely. inspirations to us. And does Tor have a name? Uh, yes, Feel the Panic. Feel the Panic. Feel the okay. Panic Tour, like, which, was like the, which was the name of uh, his last EP. Okay. So obviously being on tour can be very stressful. A lot of long nights, long hours. Yes. How do you personally kind of deal with that stress? Um, I've gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start there. Um, I think one of the things is you have to really take a step back and, and realize that not a lot of people get to do this and live this life. And even though it is mentally exhausting and physically exhausting in a very different way than normal work is Absolutely, Um, especially on the mental side because it's just a lot of time 
spent in airplanes. Like I, I just got this, I saw one of my friends post this app called Flighty and I downloaded it recently for this tour. And we were only on two weeks and I've already spent 18 hours in airplanes for four show dates. So, and that's just in the airplanes. That's not at the airports or in cars. Oh my gosh. So you at least get that like TSA pre-check. So you yeah, go I have that TSA really pre-check quick. and all I, that. I do imagine that it's got to help a lot yeah. cut down on that time, but 18 hours in a plane, man, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's within two weeks and only four shows. So. Yeah. And only four shows. So you got, you said 32, 32. So yeah, 20, not good with my more. numbers, but I think that's an eighth. Yeah. Quite, quite a lot more. So <laughs> that's really the demanding part and things that I've kind mm-hmm. of, I've gotten into a podcast recently, mm-hmm. um, audio books. Um, I downloaded, uh, GameCube emulator on my oh, laptop yeah. so I hell could play yeah. Wind Waker at the airports and just trying to find ways to keep yourself busy that doesn't involve um, sitting in your sadness or yeah, drinking absolutely. yourself to death because um, that happens to a lot of artists and it's really sad because it is depressing. And um, it, it definitely is and I definitely feel alcohol is an easy escape Yeah, and I feel like in the culture and it's not even EDM culture I feel like it's just music culture, touring culture. That's usually what a lot of people do. Yeah. So and it and it's it's hard because like even me, I mean I've been touring now for six years. I've never bought an alcoholic drink. Hey, respect, man. But I've drank probably forty thousand dollars worth. You know, <laughs> I've, never, I've never had to buy one. It's like so it's so accessible to us. And, Ab- and, absolutely. And, and like yeah. like I when I got a hold of you guys, I'm like, hey, do you do you want me to bring any beer? Do you want me uh, to bring anything? I I understand that completely. Like when it is just that accessible, it's kind of hard to say no. Yeah, and when most of us come from, not all of us, but most of us come from this background of like very nerdy teenagers. Like yeah. I didn't, I, I never went to a party in high school. I never went to a concert. Like I, like I said, the first EDM show I went to was my own show. I went to so a was, few concerts. There's always my friend's dad's yeah. watching us the entire time. I yeah. do feel that I was very nerdy in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say my, I could pretty much consider my Nintendo switch, my airplane machine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. But yeah, it's just like a lot of us go from this world of, we spent all of high school. Um, I was extremely bullied in high school. So we we'll go from being bullied and just this nerd to now you're in front of thousands of people every night. And then it's this very um, high, high, low lows. Mm-hmm. So like I, I go to therapy and the way my therapist described it is um, he's an entertainment therapist. And he's like, it's very odd and different for entertainment people because what you experience is um, he calls it paradise. So you go to your show, you're getting praised by thousands of people, you're spotlighted. And then within minutes, you're all alone in a hotel room. Yeah, absolutely. So it's more of a fake paradise. Yeah. He's like, and that's why a lot of artists, unfortunately, sadly enough, um, tend to drug abuse, uh, alcohol abuse, absolutely. because you're trying to find something to stay in paradise. Absolutely. Hey, man, I got a lot of respect for you openly saying that you're in therapy. I go to therapy as much as I po- as possibly can. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of stigma with that. Yeah. So I got a lot of respect for you coming out here and being able to talk about that pretty freely. No, and therapy. I completely understand yeah. under, Understand when you're getting all that, uh, hey, you're did d- d- kick ass said all that positive affirmation and then just go into a dark room man that fucking sucks yeah in a sad room like you get yeah. in there it's 4 a.m you haven't eaten for six it's hours a hotel you room door dash yeah. and there's nothing to eat so you're in the hotel lobby getting funyons yeah. and that's, that is about as good as you could get 
So, but yeah, therapy is something I think everyone should do. Everybody should do. Everyone. I don't think it can hurt anybody. No, no, definitely not. So you have any pre-show rituals or anything like that you do to kind of warm up and get in the zone before a show? Um, jump up and down. <laughs> and then I haven't done as much recently, but I used to have like pre-show songs. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would just listen to. The final countdown every time. Do, 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 yeah, it would always be weird songs. Like <laughs> the, the first one that I listened to for years was Attention by Charlie Puth. <sighs> no idea why, but it, every, before every single show was that. And then for a minute, it was, it was Blank Space by Taylor Swift. Oh my God, I love Blank Space by Taylor <laughs> Swift. They actually just caught Trump driving around in his like Benz or something, blaring that song. Everyone loves yeah, Taylor Swift. I, it's hard not to, man. And then <laughs> the last one was... Um, Am I allowed to cuss on the podcast? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we bath- get one F-bomb. We get okay. one F-bomb. Oh, there's no F-bomb in it. It's called Bathroom Bitch by I don't know the, the, the artist, but the, it's just it's a fun song. Okay. Okay. So after a show, what do you kind of do to unwind and celebrate something? Like when you've done a successful job, what do you do to unwind and celebrate a little bit? I know obviously by the um, time you get out, it is probably late. Okay. I'm trying to think celebrate i don't think i've ever celebrated after a successful show i think i've tried to come down if that makes sense absolutely yeah i i do i did put a unwind in there so absolutely what do you do to unwind chill out Um, get collected get back to the hotel usually shower um drink some tea and then oh tea recommendations uh throat coat usually for me because i scream very loud in the microphone my, my throat's usually pretty messed up um, so drink some tea, probably eat some food, and then play. I play a lot of a card game called Magic. Oh, I love Magic. I yeah. love Magic. So, so play some of that or throw on the Food Network and try to doze off. Yeah, it I is really it. hard sleeping though after shows. So. Got to get myself out of the Magic because if I don't, I'd sit here and talk to you about Magic for the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah. Magic was the first thing I actually ever made money on. I have a great thing. I have a few uh, GP when I was like thirteen. So do you do you do you do do that? Bring that along um, yeah. when you're in going on tour. Do you ever kind of like try to pop out and go check out some shops? No, I should. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So, how important do you feel education is to be successful in music? Are we talking traditional education? Not traditional, but like, say... Like uh, music theory? Yeah, music like theory, stuff like that. I think it depends on the person. Absolutely. I think there's people that just are naturally musically inclined and gifted, and they could pick it up. Um, I think it is different for electronic music. Mm-hmm. I feel like the people that succeed in electronic music are the people that are crazy enough to twist knobs <laughs> indefinitely until they figure it out. Um, there is people out there that are just like very technically skilled, like the virtual riots, the sultans. Um, but I would say for every one of those that are very successful, there's 10 people who just twist knobs and, until it works. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you do. Sometimes people just like the brick, brick, brick wall, stone. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. Yeah, but no, I think, it's, I think it definitely will not hurt you to be to get music there i don't i wouldn't think it would hurt either but yeah I, like it you definitely said, I it definitely helps but i don't it. think it's needed to succeed and uh and electronic music at least absolutely so you've played at lost lands in tomorrowland correct no not just, no just lost lands i've done lost lands okay so that is for a lot of people i interview a dream festival 
Um, do you have any particular show, venue, or festival that would be a dream for you? And what are some of those that you maybe already accomplished? Um, Red Rocks is the only one. That's that's, that's the yeah. one I hear. Yeah, a lot. Red Rocks that's is the, the only one. one I hear a lot. Lost Lines was cool, but it it was never like one of my dream ones. See, I feel like Red Rocks just it's basically like one of a kind the entire planet you're not gonna go in into the mountains and just get these amazing acoustics yeah. so i get that and i've also heard it's like a very weird different experience for the artist because it's one of the only venues where the audience is looking down at you yeah which is a trip okay so um you recently started a new brand project called hi i'm house yes can you tell me a bit about that yeah so basically it's just hi i'm ghost but he wants to make some house music. It's something that me and Tiago both been passionate about um, forever, since before we started Time Ghost. And we've always made house, and we just we did our Raveyard tour last year, mm-hmm. and I opened up the whole tour with a Hiam House set. Hell yeah! Which was incredible, and also one of the worst decisions I made. It it can be that. It can be that way. How do you feel? Kind of the crowds are different. I definitely see a lot of people arguing a lot all the time about the different types of genres and each subgenres of EDM. And yeah. a lot of people like hitting rhythm. A lot of people like hitting, everybody has its, its critics. Yeah. Um, the house stuff has been really hit or miss, but I'm kind of to the, I've been, I've been, I've been touring now for six years. Um, I don't care. I personally, yeah, I'm I up love there. I'm, I'm having a great time. I'm smiling. Um, now I do want to give my fans a great show. So at the moment, my, I am known for dubstep and all that. So I think, my house portion right now is maybe maybe 10 minutes mm-hmm. of the set. Um, so easing them into it, but it's something that we're going to be doing this year. Okay. So what kind of inspired you to make that switch? Have you always kind of had a passion for house? Yeah. So we, we've always written house music. Um, we just never put it out. And we just wanted to do something different. And then also the whole idea started that we always wrote, wrote house. And we were like, how cool would it be to open our own tour? With ourselves. Absolutely. Which was great because all the Absolutely. fans came out really, really early to see the house set, um, which was great for the, the companies and the other support acts and all that. It was just, it was very mentally taxing doing oh, and two, two, two sets a night. Oh, absolutely. Uh, do you ever feel like there's a little bit of pushback? I know Getter did his Visreal tour and it had a lot of pushback because yeah. it was... He was experimenting, and I, I love that. I love no, when that's, people that's, experiment that, yeah. and do what they're actually happy making, being passionate about. Do you worry about that pushback? No. I, like, I mean, we, we care what our fans say, but at the end of the day... Um, you want to make stuff that makes you happy. We want to make stuff that makes us happy, and if our fans do not want us to experiment creatively, um, that's okay. You don't have to be our fan anymore. Yeah. It's called growth. Yeah. Called growth. Yeah. So looking forward to the future, do you see yourself experimenting with any other genres, say drum and bass? We, we put out a few drum and bass songs. Um, we had a funny idea. We'll probably never do it unless I really um, hate myself one day and decide to go <laughs> ahead and do it. But we had an idea to do a Hi, I'm Ghost uh, show where it was like, Hi, I'm House. Hi, I'm Drum and Bass. Uh, Hi, I'm Hard for Hard Style. Then Hiam goes, so I would do like four sets, all different genres. Um, but no, I mean, we actually, we have the house stuff coming out this year, and then we also have a bunch of melodic music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we need to take a little break, but it has been fantastic this first half. Great.
So, uh, now that we are back, my this is probably one of my hardest questions. Oh, fun. Team Jacob, Team Edward. Oh, would Edward. you rather be a werewolf or vampire? Vampire. Vampire? Yes. All day, all day. Oh, 100%. I would love to be a vampire. Okay. So, if you could throw a uh, benefit, benefit concert for any charitable cause that is close or personal to you, what do you think it would be and why? Um, probably... Mental illness and teenagers. Respect. Respect. I was a mentally ill teenager. Now I've transitioned to being a mentally ill adult. So <laughs> yeah. respect. Um, I'm Like you said a little bit earlier, you bullied in high school. Same. So I'm guessing that's good reason to make yeah. sure they have those yeah, places and it's to just, talk to. It's a very... I have brothers that are in high school and actually they're doing great. Mm-hmm. Complete opposite of my high school experience. <laughs> oh, that's um, always the worst, right? Yeah. Uh, one of them, my, my youngest brother, Zeppelin exact opposite of me mm-hmm. plays football popular and try to be the cooler other brother but then you're like fuck man they're way cooler than me yeah, what do like, i do and I, i've even told him like look man if we we're in high school together we would not have been friends yeah i think honestly you might have kicked sand, kicked sand in my face or stole yeah. my lunch money yeah <laughs> okay so here is a kind of a little bit difficult one uh, what do you think it takes to be successful today in the music industry, both artistically, musically, and financially? Oh, God. I think it takes a team. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone can do it alone. Absolutely. Um, there is those beginning stages where you are doing it alone, and that Absolutely. can only get you so far. Um, time goes, we depend on mm-hmm. a lot of people, our managers, Megan, Parker, our agents mm-hmm. um, for the U.S., Europe, Asia. Um, all the various designers we work with, um, vocalists we work with, it's it's a big team effort, and which is the machine that is now Haim Ghost. Um, and I think it takes someone who is willing to try and try and try and fail. And I also think it, Absolutely. the advice that I give all people starting out um, that I've said a million times is my advice is to have fun. Absolutely. Fuck around. Don't forget why you started. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so um, you just had a child, correct? Yes, I did. Is this your first? First child, first yeah. First child. Can you tell me a little bit about that uh, experience and how do you feel like it affects your music and kind of the energy you put in your music and how do you feel like that'll affect your career? I haven't really processed it yet. Um, two, if, she's two months old. Two months old, so pretty fresh. Pretty fresh, but she was in the NICU. For those two months, she was actually supposed to be born today, the twenty first. Yes, she was supposed to be born yesterday. Mm. So um, hard two months. Yeah, it was a hard two months driving back and forth from the hospital, mm-hmm. but she's doing good. Um, it it's definitely made touring a little bit different. Um, leaving is a little bit harder. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but I think if anything, it, it makes me want to work harder. I get that. I yeah. get that. You got kind of got that dad energy starting to go on. Be respectful. So, I guess do you have any good dad jokes yet? No. No. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get there. You gotta take take some take some time. Take some time. Eventually, you'll get get it. I'm not gonna lie. I spent like 20 minutes earlier googling ghost dad jokes. Oh, do you got do you got any good ones for me? <sighs> I wish. Give me some time. I might. Okay. Uh, 
Okay, so you've worked for a few record labels in the past. Now you're signed with Disciple Records? Uh, we're not signed to them, no. But uh, we have worked with quite a few record More labels. Than. Okay. Can you kind of tell me your experience going from a freelance person to working with record labels and some of the pros and cons of kind of trying to do it yourself and working with the record label? Um, It's very, very different. So mm-hmm. when you work with a record label... I think working with record labels is very important at the beginning of your career. Absolutely. Um, it helps get your name out there to a new audience. Um, but I think as your career progresses, it becomes more and more important to not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Disciple's always been great to work with. They, they let us have a lot of control over the art direction and the, the, the rollout in terms of marketing. And uh, musically, they've, they've never, they're the only label that's actually never told us to change anything ever. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so it does feel pretty nice to get that uh, positive feedback. Yeah, they, they just let us kind of do what we want, which we love and appreciate them for. Um, the only, not downside to working with them, but like as opposed to when we do something ourselves, like uh, next month we have a song on February 3rd coming out with Quiet um, called Bleed, mm-hmm. which we're self-releasing, which we've actually self-released, I think, more than half of our records. Um, and the benefit with that is we just don't have to ask for anything. That's nice. Like that if, is I wanna, nice. if I want to post, because I have, I've been posting videos of the song every time I play it. If I want to, do, I don't have to ask anybody. Um, the art direction, even though when we work with Disciple, they kind of let us do whatever we want or whatever they're available. There's no asking to be had. It's just, hey, Nathan, you want to do your art like this? Yeah, cool. You know, and that's the biggest benefit. Yeah. And you're seeing more artists do it. Like uh, one of my good friends, uh, Jordan Jiqui. Just released his Cataclysm mix, which he did self-release, and the response has been great. And that's because he was able to do exactly what he wanted to do. Also with labels, especially with how saturated they are nowadays, you usually get this like three-day time frame mm-hmm. of support. Where let's say Monday they announce, Tuesday they post a track list or some type of asset, Wednesday it's out now, and then it's kind of like, okay, you're done. Where when you do it yourself, like what what Jiggy's doing right now. I think they teased it for about two weeks. It came out and now they're doing a lot of like follow-up content um, where if he did that on a label, not that he wouldn't be able to do the follow-up content, but it wouldn't be supported by the label most likely. Absolutely. So a lot more freedom, a lot more energy to do yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. So how do you go about uh, reaching out and responding to fans in the community? Um. This can be in person. This could be in social media. In, in person, I do a lot better, um, which is weird because I'm very socially awkward. Yeah, I feel, I um, feel that. But I always just like to learn everybody's name, um, talk for a minute. Online, it's, it's a lot different because most of it's Twitter, I would say, my interactions with are with, with like not a lot of Instagram interaction or Facebook or TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok, a decent amount of interaction, actually. I found a lot of really great producers on TikTok. But, um, Mostly Twitter, and Twitter's kind of just like a, I want to call it genuine interaction. So I would say yeah. the genuine interaction is done in person. In, in my earlier years, um, I don't do as much anymore because I'm old and tired. Felt, um, felt. I used to go to after parties and go and do socialize, all that and then, network. Um, and now I'm not doing, I haven't really talked about it yet online. I should, but I'm not really, I used to, after every show, do like a big meet and greet. Mm-hmm. I'm not really doing it at the moment because I just had the kid. I'm trying, trying not to get, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I try not to get sick while on tour. So I'm, I'm taking... Absolutely. COVID take, is still out there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm taking an obscene amount of vitamins and 
working out every day and just trying to make sure I don't get sick while I'm out here. Respect. Respect. Yeah. So looking back through your career, what is just a random fun memory that pops up in your head? Oh, God. Um, I forget which tour I was on, but it was 2019, somewhere in Florida. Mm -hmm. This is right when I started drinking. For the first time, like actually Ever. drinking. No, yeah. no, no. Like I drank before, but it was, had a few drinks, it was drinking, weird. drinking. Um, we're in Florida, go to an after party, um, show up at the person's house. They're like, hey, we have moonshine. Have you ever had moonshine oh, before? No. And I was like, and you got to know it's actual moonshine if you're down in the yeah. south. And I'm like, I have not had moonshine. And I don't know why. Maybe it's my family genetics, but I could drink like no other. I, I drank. Probably three, five, six red solo cups worth. And Gosh, my main, my, my man. <laughs> next, thing I, next thing I know, and I know I was drunk at this point because I decided it was a good idea. They're like, hey, do you want to get on the boat and go to an after party in the middle of the lake? And I was like, fuck well, yeah. yeah. Sounds great. Hard to say no to, especially when you're moonshine deep. Yeah, and it's raining. Um, get on this little boat. I'm with a bunch of my other DJ friends. We get onto this island, and I'm just like, Felt like a fever dream. Get on this island and there's like 500 people there. There's a U-Haul with CDJs in it. There's a table over here with just every plastic liquor bottle imaginable. <laughs> just the plastic the ones. The plastic ones only. And then there's joints being passed around that look like baseball bats. And I DJed in the back of that U-Haul for maybe two hours. And then eventually cops showed up. While I was peeing, actually, which was kind of scary. Oh, they'll always get you at the worst time. Yeah, so I ran away peeing. Um, but yeah, that's probably the craziest story of, I'm yeah. like, what am I doing? <laughs> How did I get How here? Moon, I went from moonshine to getting chased by cops while I'm peeing. Okay, so could you tell me about your hardest or worst performance? And what do you think that you learned from it? Ooh, worst performance. My worst performance was probably I had a family member die. Oof. Um, sorry to hear that. No problem. Um, but I found out about 15 minutes before I went on stage at this festival years ago. Um, so I was already, you know, not in the headspace to do it. Absolutely. Um, within that 15 minutes, I, I called my family and had them book, book me a flight home, home, like right after the festival. Mm -hmm. But I got on stage, already not feeling it. And then within like the first five minutes, power went out. <sighs> so it was just one. And it was just like one after another. And I was just not having it. I think I ended up playing for like 30 minutes. And then I, I think I told the sound guy on stage. I was like, hey, I, I'm leaving. And that was definitely my, I don't think, I think it was the worst performance, not because I was messing up, but, but because you just of had the so circumstance much, going yeah, on. Yeah, circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So do you prefer to listen to music or do you prefer to make it? M make it, but I listen to it more than I make it. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, if you could have your fans remember you for one thing, what would you want it to be? Uh, being yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So how do you feel you have seen your style and, and sound evolve since you started today to today? That's a hard one because I think internally me and tiago we don't view it that way Absolutely. but if we like take a step back and look at it we started, kind of retrospect yeah we, we started it. far more like cutesy and um we had a lot of these like waltz melodies mm -hmm. going on in a lot of our earlier songs 
and now it's kind of evolving with the high house stuff that's completely mm-hmm. separate um but it's evolving into we have not a formula down but we're known for these like very cinematic intros and builds mm-hmm. um using the word death way too much um and i we're not ones to say that like our sound design is very um unique I think the one thing that we've done very well and a lot differently than other people is the way our sub is, mm-hmm. um, which in bass music is a good thing to have your sub sound a little unique. Um, we have very glidey, bendy subs. Um, and I would kind of say that's what defines our sound. Okay. Okay. So then going forward, how do you see your sound evolving in your future, both your high I'm ghost and on your high I'm house project? What do you see? How do you see that going? Um, I think with both of them, which I mean, we're going to see with this next release with quiet. Um, we're really focusing on more vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the newer stuff is very metal influenced. Mm-hmm. Like the one with quiet is basically a metal song. Um, and then we also have this other side where we're releasing all this really beautiful kind of poppy melodic bass music yeah oh yeah so about what year did you join the edm community oh god 20 okay i've been touring for six years so 2017 2017 okay 2016 2017 somewhere in there through that time seven years my mental math seven years let's say seven years how have you seen the community grow and change over the years? Obviously, we've had some struggles. Everybody had to deal with COVID. Yeah, um, that, that was... Everything's kind of getting back to the way. But how have you seen the community grow and change over the years? And what are some pros and cons? Obviously, I see a lot of people are mad that EDM's getting more widespread. So we're getting college bros and stuff like that. And the old heads are mad about that. Um, so yeah, how have you seen the community grow and change over the years? And what do you think are some of the pros and cons? And what do you say to the old heads who are mad about the college kids? I would say you're exactly how your parents were 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, Couldn't have said it better yeah, myself. I mean, that's all I have to really say about the old heads. Um, I think it's great that the genre is getting bigger. Um, I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, bass music is getting way bigger. Um electronic music as a whole is getting way bigger and that i mean electronic music music getting bigger has been going on for 10 20 years now um but bass music specifically in the past five years has really really grown and i think for the fans the the diehard fans where they wanted it's kind of like the like the punk scene i've always kind of dubstep was very punky Mm -hmm. uh now it's more metally um i think dubstep's like when we started dubstep was very punk when we started touring it was all these like very small venues um dirty um wasn't a lot of like headbanging yet it was more of like just the moshing kind of like a punk show and then as it grew um now it's more we went from like sex pistols to like kiss (laughs) that makes makes sense I i like that analogy yeah Okay. But I think it's overall good. It's good for... I, I do too. The fans have more opportunities to see artists. The artists have more opportunities to make a living. Like I said, I, I agree with you. The old heads kind of... They do sound like their parents from 20 years ago. It's not very plur. You you goddamn kids, you stay yeah. off my lawn. Da, 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 da. This isn't even a rave anymore. Da, 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 da. Like, if somebody actually likes and appreciates the music, I'm not going to gatekeep. I hate gatekeeping. It's, if I want to do my best to 
make sure people are accepted and they have as good of a time as possible. Obviously, with college chats and shit like that, yeah. some, not everybody's going to be great, but tell me, any music industry, any show you go to is going to be 100% good people. There's no. always going to be assholes. And I don't, I don't even, I even think six years ago, there was still the, Absolutely. the college Absolutely. guys, if, if you will, that were just there to hurt people or be, Absolutely. be assholes. Absolutely. Like, that's never changed. There's a little bit more of them now, but there's also a lot more of the nice people. So, so do you have any musicians that inspire you? Uh, Wes Borland is a big one. Uh, he's the guitarist for Limp Biscuit. I don't oh, like yeah. Limp Biscuit, but he had a he has a band Bro, called Limp uh, Biscuit. Still sucks. Yeah, yeah, but he has a he has a band called Blacklight Burns, which I absolutely mm-hmm. love, and he's really inspiring. And then. I don't know his name, but whoever this, the guy from Sheeran's Revenge is. And then just all the stuff I grew up listening to. But Wes Borland yeah. is the one that like instantly comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, so say you get home from tour. Chilling, open the front door, chilling your house for a little bit. Walk, and you're looking out your back window. There's a horse in your backyard. Oh, wow. What do you do with this, this horse in your backyard? It's in my, in my actual backyard? Yeah, it's in your actual backyard. I just got home. Just got home. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm clo- not going to deal with it right away, probably. Yeah, I closed my blind. And I hope, <laughs> hope, it doesn't, hope it doesn't do anything bad. I'll figure that out when I wake up. <laughs> Sounds like a problem for uh, Nathan later. Okay, so what advice would you give to an up-and-coming DJ who wants to stand out and make their brand their own? Um, okay, so I'll start with the, the first thing I said, which is have fun, fuck around, don't forget why you start. But for, for branding, even though it is sad, um, music and the music industry is not 100% what matters anymore. Mm-hmm. Like for us, an example, I think branding has been at least 50% of our success, if not more. Um, So I would do your research. I want to do this at the start. When I would start, I would have fun, write music, put it out. And then once you get to a point where you think you're at the level production-wise where you could do it professionally, put the time in and and learn about branding, branding pillars, marketing, what you want to do, what you want to represent. Um, And I would say stay true to yourself. Absolutely. It's very easy to tell when someone's fake. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so, too. Um, if you could go on tour in any other country for a year, but you couldn't come back to the States for a year, oh, what Japan. country would you want to go to? Japan. Japan? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, my yeah. mans. My mans. Yeah, sir. Um, so the music industry can be considered highly competitive. Do you con- consider yourself to be a competitive person? No. And who, I guess who would you consider yourself to be? Uh, who would you consider to be your biggest competition? I don't think about it that way. I was actually I was talking to um, my mom about mm-hmm. this yesterday. Um, just like situations that came up with playing the same cities as friends, and them thinking of it as us competing for tickets, and mm-hmm. me just not thinking about it like that at all. I feel like yes, there is only so many spots, if you will, to make it mm-hmm. in dubstep, but I don't think it's healthy to view it as competing against your peers. Absolutely. I think there's such a thing as healthy competition where you hype your homies up, and I think that's fantastic, but I definitely can see where it gets toxic and it can get hateful. Yeah, because the way I like to think about it um, is there's always someone bigger 
Absolutely. Like the like the example I always use in dubstep, which I think is funny, like uh Jeff Excision, he's huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um but Marshmallow did a deal with Coca-Cola. Nothing bigger than Coca-Cola. Nothing bigger than Coca-Cola. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so um here. If you could change one thing in the music industry, what do you think it would be? I think egos. Absolutely. Just, Just people... get rid of everyone's ego. Absolutely. Music isn't as serious as we all think it is. It's have people fun. want to make it want people I, I don't get people gatekeep. I'm yeah. like, it's music, man. We can all appreciate it. Oh, and then as soon as they're not not underground anymore, oh, I listened to them before they're underground. So you're not a real fan. I'm like, yeah. come on. And then the biggest thing is, oh, they're not underground anymore. So I don't hate them. I don't listen to them because they're not. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Just- so somebody used to like and be passionate about is bit got successful. You don't like them because they, they did well. Yeah, they did yeah, well. Just, what the hell is right the weirdest, with that? Yeah, it's the weirdest cycle. Okay. So what do you think? is the biggest sacrifice that you have made for your career? Family. Absolutely. And just time in general. Absolutely. So when does your inspiration kind of hit you? Do you kind of just get hit, hit at random times and just have to start scribbling things down? Do you kind of lock yourself in your basement and just- um, it really depends. I would say it's, it's different every time, but like right now, musically, we're actually, we're done, I think mm-hmm. for all of 2023. Oh yeah. So it's not exactly on top of mind right now. It's just, let's write for fun. Um, but when it is like time to write, write again, um, not that we force ourselves, but we do go into like, okay, we need to do an album. Absolutely. We're on album mode. Um, but no, inspiration comes at all sorts of, like Death Rail, for example, we wrote in a hotel room in Calgary in 15 minutes. The drop. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then the, the, the name and the speech we came up with on a car ride to LA. Mm-hmm. On to LAX. So how do you see EDM and your brand evolving in the next five years or so? Five years. EDM, I think, is just going to continue to get bigger and bigger. Absolutely. I think there's going to be... Um, I'll, I'll keep it more on the dubstep side. I, th- I think with dubstep, we're going to move in a direction where there's going to be more musicality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's acts like uh, YVM3. Um, they put out their first song today on Apple Music and Spotify. You know, it's no one knows who it is. It's speculated to be a bunch of different people, but that is the first song that I've heard that isn't a dubstep plus metal song. Mm-hmm. It's a dubstep metal song without the plus. Oh, yeah. Like the, it's very putting them together without it being, or like a lot of the dubstep metal stuff is just like, okay, they're cool. The intro has guitars. Oh, yeah. And then the drop is a dubstep drop, and that's all it is. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of genre blending between. Um, more traditional types of music like rock and metal and uh, hip hop, like a lot of the stuff, even like ISO, uh, XO is making. It, it's on the trap side, hundred uh, percent. But he's definitely bringing more songwriting to it, mm-hmm. which is something that I think made dubstep popular to begin with. With all the early guys, um, not super early, not like Scream, and but a little bit past that, like the early Skrillex stuff or the Kill the Noise stuff, um, where their songwriting was good 
Absolutely. And not that nowadays songwriting isn't good with dubstep. It's just that most of us are writing for live. Absolutely. We're looking at it as every song is a DJ tool and not this is a song. Absolutely. Okay, so my next question. When you're opening a show for somebody else, what do you do to make sure you get the crowd hyped and going, but not too hyped? I don't. What do you... Yeah, I was going to say, do you think it's possible for an opener to go too hard? No. No. I think if the opener goes harder than you, that's awesome. Okay. Okay. So I do think we're pretty close on time. We have about five minutes left. So why don't you tell me about future product projects what you have coming up your tour anything and everything that you can talk about okay in the next yeah i got so, five, five minutes so okay. anything and everything you can talk okay. about so for the next four months i'm on tour with willie barely alive across uh, the u.s and some candidates you can check it out at feelthepanic.com feelthepanic.com which i've been feeling the panic every night with how big i think we've sold out most of the dates so it's been good and then we have a song coming out next month with our friend Quiet. And then we have the Heim House stuff coming out. And then besides that, it all just kind of comes. But I would like to talk about some of the people who I think are doing really well. Um, Jake Wee has been a friend of mine um, for years now. And I'm just unbelievably proud of him and all the work that he's done in the, the Cataclysm mix. Uh, another really good friend of mine, Aaron Heritage. He's on tour right now with uh, Kai Wachi. Mm-hmm. And he's also doing the G-Rex Buku tour at the same time. Oh, hell yeah. So he's killing it. And he's one of the guys on the scenes that I don't think anyone sounds like him. Mm-hmm. I think he's also one of the most great, genuine people. It's been annoying. We keep on missing him. So he's in Detroit tonight. We were there yesterday. And then last week, we were in Austin on Friday. And he was there on Saturday. Following you guys, yeah. So we're just, we're just, he's he's on your trail. We're just following each other, and yeah. And for all the the new young kids coming up, there's so many talented kids that are just working hard, and that's awesome. And um, yeah, just work on your dreams and have fun while you do it. So my final final question will be: What is the ultimate form of potato? Is it the baked? Is it the mashed? Is it the Uh, French fry? Is it the tater tot? I think it's the, for me, it's the hash brown. Oh, wow, the hash brown's pretty good. And the yeah. hash brown's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, sir. Well, I would like to thank you out for taking the time out of your schedule to come on. It has been a fantastic episode. Appreciate I it. No, it's not easy to schedule this stuff out, so I'm glad we could get this worked out. And yeah, I would just like to thank you, man. It's been a great episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. I had a great time. And I uh, got to go play a show, and I hope to see you there tonight. Oh, absolutely. We'll be there, sir. Absolutely. We'll be there, sir. So for my audience, this is my second ever video podcast. So if you're a watcher, hi. Hi. Hello. Um, And if you're a listener, thanks for listening. Remember, uh, like, shares, ratings are all super appreciated. You guys are what makes this happen. Uh, This is probably one of the biggest people I've interviewed so far. So if you want to keep Get me bigger and bigger interviews. Like, share, rating, subscribes. Uh, thank you and stay sexy, EDM. Good night. <laughs>